Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. A lot of us will have heard of Uber by now. Whether you love or hate the company, millions of people use its taxi service every year. But Uber isn't everywhere, and there are places in the world where the main mode of taxi services aren't cars, but motorbikes. Enter Yego Moto. This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. This week, I'm talking to Karanveer Singh, who, after decades developing businesses in India and Singapore, is helping Rwanda's motorbike taxis go cashless. I'm Lucy Lamble. I met up with Karanveer in May 2018, when he was in London for the Africa Tech Summit. I flew in on Tuesday. We have a direct flight. Well, not really direct, but it comes in via Brussels and a very convenient flight on Rwanda Air. And As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Yego Moto is a company based in the East African country of Rwanda. I was curious to know how Karanveer, who was born and grew up in India, came to start a company thousands of miles away. I would say fate. I only knew about Rwanda through the movie. Uh, Hotel Rwanda and from Gulera's in the Mist about Diane Fossey's. So that was the only thing. And the only reason I would have gone to Rwanda would have been to visit the mountain gorillas. But uh, you never know with life. And it just so happened that I did visit Rwanda one time and we did a small project. And then we got invited for something called Transform Africa. And I was quite amazed because the kind of conversations that were taking place and you had all the different heads of state and they were speaking very openly and then the government itself reached out and said that you know since you are here why don't you take a look around think about what you can do uh, for the country and you come from Singapore and people have always compared I'm not sure whether it's uh, Rwanda itself that coined the phrase but they say Rwanda is the Singapore of Africa I've been living there since 2016, and it's been two years. And if you ask me today if I intend to move out, and the answer is no, I'm pretty happy. And I even told my kids they didn't like it. I said I could easily live out the rest of my life in this country. Karanveer was born in Delhi and spent most of his childhood in Calcutta. Despite being sent to a boarding school which had been known for training the elite from the princely estates, he was anything but a model student. 
I struggled through school because I didn't attend any class. I don't know how I passed or graduated. I never went to a college. So I started working straight after school, but I attempted to do college through correspondence. Don't have a degree because I think there was one paper, especially in my national language, Hindi, that I failed. So it freed me because I didn't really now get shoehorned into one particular slot that you're an engineer or a doctor because normally you ask kids in India and they said, want to be a pilot, join the army or be an engineer. I had uh, all the options open to me. So tell me a bit about your early career. Were you always an entrepreneur? I mean, I worked for my father first. And normally working for a father can be very challenging. And I realized that two things can happen. You know, that either uh, my father and I will find a way to work together and to stay distant and then to have a personal relationship at home, or it would destroy the relationship that we had. I thought the risk of of the second was too high, so I exited. I went to work for a semiconductor company. And that's the first time that I got introduced to technology. It was 1982, and the IBM PC had just come out. And it was kept in a box, and no one was allowed to open it. But I was foolhardy enough to open the box and said, listen, why can't we use it? Because at that time, I was doing things with pen and paper. I was maintaining the stocks and of all the different components that were going in for manufacturing. And I would spend days with a calculator and a pencil, and I said, why can't this computer do it? So I self-taught myself. Within a few years, I became in charge of what was called at that time electronic data processing, EDP. So I left this company in, it was in uh, 1986, to start my first company. I was only 24 years old. And then from there- For listeners who spend a lot of time ringing large hotel chains or businesses, you have Karen Veer to thank for the pre-recorded options that greet you. We first did, made these very annoying things that when you call a hotel or an office, uh, thank you for calling ABC company, dial one for this, dial two for this, and those horrible machines. So we designed all of that. So we thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere along the way, you you, you mentioned earlier that Rwanda can be seen as the Singapore of Africa, but you actually worked in Singapore too. What, What took you there? So Singapore ended up being a place where we went to do export. And we did our export, but what was in Singapore was that, unlike India, where you spend a large proportion of your time uh, fixing things that shouldn't have to be fixed. But every day, there are a hundred different small little issues that come up. In Singapore, there was nothing. So I had a lot more time to myself, and I had a lot more time to reflect. So I would call it almost like an early retirement. So I was working, I would fly to different countries, come back, but I also had a lot of time by myself just to sit there and think. So later on in life, you took on this big challenge of moving to Rwanda and setting up a business there. How does the business culture and the environment compare with what you'd previously experienced? It's very different. I would say Rwanda is extremely easy to do business in because the government there is very clear about what it wants to achieve. And they've made it so simple that you can go into one office and establish a company in maybe an hour or two. So you can it has a one-stop shop and you can do everything from one place. There's no corruption. No one asks you for money.
But more than that, I think it's how welcoming they are and the openness. So it's a very, very different environment. After the break, we'll find out how Yego Moto came to be and what challenges young Rwandans face setting up businesses. The largest cause of death in Rwanda is road accidents and the motorcycle taxis are involved in 80% of them. More on that after this short break. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, Jordan Erica Weber here, host of The Guardian's digital culture podcast, Chips With Everything. This week, we're delving into the creepy, definitely should be criminal world of deep fake pornography, where people use algorithms to change the face of a person in a video, making it look like someone did or said something they never did. Unfortunately, you know, we work in this uh, area called digital media forensics. Uh, we're actually playing this, I will say, imbalanced cat and mouse game. In England and Wales, we've got a bit of a tendency to be really pedantic in our drafting of legislation to try to narrow it down to very specific circumstances. But what happens is then technology changes, exploitation changes, and the new scenario doesn't fit with the old law. To have a listen, head over to theguardian.com slash podcasts or search Chips With Everything on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. Before the break, I spoke to Karanveer Singh, who went from being a college dropout to one of Rwanda's savviest tech entrepreneurs. So I'm really curious, where did the idea of going cashless come from in Rwanda? So one of the things that they're trying to do is, as a country which basically faces monetary problems because a lot of the African countries that developed have been based on aid, but aid is drying up. To now have the foresight to turn around and say, look, we want to be self-sufficient. We don't want to have to go around with a begging bull. And their path to cashlessness was again something that excited me and interested me because to be able to go cashless, you have to do very many different things. Kigali, Rwanda's capital city, was well on its way to going cashless, at least when it came to transport. Bus fares in the city are paid for using a tap-and-go system, similar to an Oyster card in London. But Caravir saw a major gap in the market. Kigali has got about 700 buses, it's got 600 taxis, but it's got 20,000 motorcycles in the city, right? So if you want to take anything cashless, you need to be able to take it to the masses where people are utilising it the most. 
And so, Yegomoto was born. On top of creating a viable business, the idea behind the moto taxi service was as much about the drivers themselves as it was the potential profits. So by putting infrastructure, which is basically, you can say, digital devices on the motorcycle, we are doing many things. Firstly, imagine that we are going to be educating all the drivers. In Rwanda, there are 45,000 drivers. So we are going to be educating all of these drivers on how to use a smart device. The second thing that we are going to be doing is we are going to be providing them with the infrastructure then to be able to accept cashless payments. So we've tied up with the mobile money operators, but we can use banks. We can create our own closed loop system like you have with Oyster and bring that in. One of the biggest challenges Karanvir and his company faced was the very real issue of road safety in Kigali. The largest cause of death in Rwanda is road accidents, and the motorcycle taxis are involved in 80% of them. So one of the key challenges for us was to see that why is it that they're having these motorcycle accidents, and we found some very interesting figures. Africa has got 1.2 billion people, median age is 19. Even if I go and study in a college and I come out with a degree, there is no job. There is no option for me. What's the easiest thing I can do? I can ride a motorcycle. So I can start my own business and start to earn money. So imagine if there are four, five hundred new motorcycles coming every month onto the road, there's competition. So now to find a customer, you will try to outrace the other guy. To complete the trip, you will drive fast to come back to earn more money, so you will have accidents. So it's a safe way of employment, but the idea is that how to make it even safer. So we said there are many ways to do it. One is that by looking at how they are driving all the time and giving them feedback and then knowing that they're speeding. So on the device, the moment they're speeding, they come to know. The police comes to know. They can then be called in and they can be counseled, you know, that what you're doing is wrong and if you do it again, we will penalise you. So Karanvir has been able to find success in a country he'd never dreamed of setting up shop in. But I was curious, for entrepreneurs starting off, for locals in Rwanda, are there the same opportunities to start a business? It is a very easy economy uh, and a very easy country in terms of regulations to be able to get yourself registered and to start a business. The challenge, I think, is that it's a small country. It's a small economy. So you can't scale. And a lot of businesses that I see struggling today are built based on the fact that they believe that they would be able to scale. But Rwanda doesn't afford that scale. So I look at Rwanda as a fantastic place to do a proof of concept and then take it out into the other countries where the environment is slightly more difficult but the advantage is that you get scale. So you have a more risk outside, but you can definitely scale. So is the outlook positive for Rwanda? I only see that they're going to get better at what they do. They are going to continue to be a model for other African countries to look at and say that, look, um, if Rwanda can do it, why can't we? I have nothing but optimism for Africa. When I go back to school, and I said I didn't study much, but at least I would open the book in front of the teacher to not get scolded. The chapter on Africa, it was called The Dark Continent. But to me, clearly, God has turned on the light in Africa. And if you ask me, I think for the next 25 to 30 years, 
Africa is the place to be. If you liked this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a line at podcasts at theguardian.com. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. We're at Guardian Podcasts. Small Changes is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Lucy Lamble. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.